a listener production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringoudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. We can do it, can't we, Cecilia, today? <laughs> Just like, okay, how do we start? It's our pep talk. We can do it. <laughs> well, today we're talking about... Um, food, gut, all that kind of stuff, yes. which I, I do love that since we started doing this podcast, that area seems to just have grown in people's awareness, which is good. And well, we're on board I, that. I totally agree with that. I remember many years ago having a conversation with somebody in the medical industry about mm-hmm. gut health and probiotics and they looked at me like I had two heads <laughs> and then circle back 10 years later, the same person having the same conversation and they were like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so I think what it means mm-hmm. is that we can, we have to on some level always maintain an open mind because we know what we know until we know more. But isn't that the whole point of the Wellness Collective? Right. Yes. But, you know, we have preconceived ideas and we're like, no, that's the way it is. And I think if anything we've learnt is that mm, things always, we always learn more. We always learn new things, you know. Yeah. And also the last 18 months, you know, a pandemic will really chuck a cat amongst the pigeons when it comes to learning new things on a daily basis. Our guest today is coming to us from the US of A. Love that, that we can do that with the time difference. Yes. His name is Dr. B. Not Go do- and pronounce it. No, Dr. B. All right, hang on. No, I'm going to say Dr. Bulsowitz. Yeah. Hey. Welcome, Dr. Will Bulsowitz. We're going to call you Dr. B because that's what you like. Welcome to the Wellness Love Collective. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nat and Cecilia. Thank you for having me on the Wellness Collective. I'm I'm happy and excited to be here. And, um, you know, just to comment real quick on what you were touching on, I think that humility is a very important part of being real in anything that is a science-related field because the science constantly evolves and we the pendulum is always swinging back and forth. And there is so much that we don't know. Mm. And it's very clear. It's very clear that there's so much that we just don't know. and You know, I think, yeah, I want to just say to that, do you feel like in recent times even, I don't know, if you think back to when you were a kid and you went to the doctor and the doctor just, that was it, there was no questions, it was just what it was and nobody argued, nobody said anything. And I feel like now even the medical model is even more open to what it was even then. Like even though we've always been learning and we've always been growing, I feel like there has been this... Um, point where things have opened up and that very openly for the first point, first time ever, I feel health providers are actually throwing their hands up in the air sometimes and being transparent saying, we don't actually know. Like, and I think that's not a bad thing. I think it's actually important to not pretend to know all the things or have all the answers. I'd love to hear what you think, Will. Yeah, I, th- I think you make a, a great point. And, you know, I think that that is to some degree culture specific. So there are some cultures where the paternalistic model of healthcare still makes sense to them and that's what they prefer. Um, but I think that in our cultures, you know, Western culture, we have all collectively moved past that. And I, I think that part of it is the increasing realization that there are limits to our education. So that's that's actually what happened with me, to be honest with you. I value my education. 
I spent 16 years from the time I was 18 to the time that I was 34 working basically like 65 to 100 hours a week Gosh. to achieve my education. And yet there I was in my early 30s, trained at the best universities in the United States. And I had health issues. I was 20 kilos overweight, tons of anxiety, low self-esteem, high blood pressure. And I didn't know how to fix my own problem despite all of this training, despite all this education, I had not been prepared with the proper tools. I had, I had pills, I had procedures. I didn't want pills or procedures when I was the patient. I wanted someone to tell me, here's how you could change your diet. Here's how you could adapt your lifestyle and get back to feeling the way that you deserve to feel. You shouldn't feel like you're 75 years old when you're 30. You should feel like you're 20 years old. Yeah. And so- so I had to, you know, it's coming back to this concept of humility. With humility, I had to learn things outside of conventional uh, conventional medical training in order for me to actually heal myself. And then that just really started the ball in motion for me where I just felt compelled to continue that um, educational experience so that I could bring it to my patients. Don't you think too, though, when you say diet and lifestyle, it affects so many things. I mean, we've talked about, you know, hormones. Well, if you want to balance your hormones, diet and lifestyle is a good place to start. If you want, you know, better sleep, diet and lifestyle is the best. Like it, it's, it's kind of obvious, but also really hard. And so we do seem to have fallen into this trap where we go, oh, but it's so much easier to go and see the health professional that's working 65 hours a week because he really knows his stuff and he can give me a pill and it will all be fine. But for us to take on the responsibility of the diet and lifestyle, sometimes it feels a bit overwhelming. So how did you get into where to begin with your particular one? Habits are, habits are hard for us to break as yeah. humans. Aren't they? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're creatures of habit, right? So, and, um, and look, in today's world, I mean, this is not a new thing. For a long time now, we've been overworked. We've been spread too thin. We're looking for shortcuts. You know, convenience reigns supreme. Mm. And we see this in so many aspects of our life. This is not just a food thing, but it is a food thing. Right. And, you know, so we're looking for ways that we can cut corners and still get the results that we want. When, in fact, at the end of the day, that's not the way that we were wired. There are no shortcuts. What there are is there's good, rock solid knowledge, education that can empower you. And then you use that information to make choices that you believe in, that you, that you feel that you deserve it, honestly. And so you make these choices not to be radical, but instead small choices when they are done consistently over the course of time become habits. And as I said, we're creatures of habit. And if you can turn habits and weaponize it in the interest of your personal goals, you can weaponize those habits. You can have small changes that turn into healthy habits that yield massive results because they're a part of your life on a daily basis. Mm. So when you realized that something had to change and it was outside of a pill or a procedure, as you said, what was it that you started with? Because you had all this information, obviously, and you had access to whatever you probably needed at the time. I'm guessing it wasn't accessing something. <laughs> Look, when the tables were turned, 
right? Because I had been wearing a long white coat for many years at this point in my life. And um, I was still in my training, but, you know, I was towards the tail end of my training, just a couple years left. And um, so I, when the tables were turned and I was the patient, I didn't want to go in and have someone hand me a prescription for my blood pressure issue. I didn't want some sort of pill for my anxiety or things of that variety. So I did what I think most guys probably do. I tried to smash it out in the gym mm. and Take you control. Know, early thirties. Yeah. And I'm an early thirties guy. Right. And I'm an early thirties guy. I'm a very much type a, I knew that I didn't like the way that I felt. I knew that I didn't like the guy that I saw in the mirror. I knew that something had to change. And so I started going to the gym, like super hardcore, right? Like, Literally six days a week, 30 to 45 minutes of strength training, and then either run a five to 10 K if it's the winter time or jump in the pool in the summertime and do 50 to hundred laps. Every day. Right? So like six days, six, six, six days a week. Yeah. Wow. It's um, a very masculine thing to do. Isn't it? It's like, great. Come on. Let's just kick this in the dick. Yeah. Let's do it. There, I didn't realize we were allowed to talk that way on the show. I'm glad that we can. Go for it. <laughs> so it's, so, it's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I mean, uh, maybe it is a very masculine thing to do, uh, but there's this, there's this mindset that it's like, okay. Um, if I work out enough, then I can eat the food that I love, uh, okay. which by yeah. the way was junk food. The trade-off. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, if I go, if I work out enough, I can still eat the food that I love and not have to make any changes over there and I'll accomplish my goals. But here's the problem. It didn't work. <laughs> I built muscle. Don't get me wrong. Like I got, I got stronger. My endurance improved. I could run a great five to 10 K. I still had a big fat gut around my belly. I still had a lot of digestive issues. I still had low self-esteem and tons of anxiety. So, and things really changed for me. I don't know how much you guys know about my story, but it's kind Tell of interesting. Tell our listeners all about your story because yeah. they won't know. No. Okay. So that's why you're here. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's just, I don't know, it's just so funny how people come into your life at the right time when you really need it. And it's like, this is part of what convinces me that there has to be a higher power. Yeah. Because someone is pulling strings. And so I met the person who's now my wife and we went on a date and, you know, there I am with a pork chop mm -hmm. <laughs> and I look across the, I look across the table and I'm like, who is this person that I'm on a date with right now? Like what is going on on that side of the table? All she has are plants. All she has are plants. She ordered sides, five sides. <laughs> um, so, but what was interesting was that I noticed like, gosh, she looks amazing. She's not trying that hard. She's cleaning her plate. She's satisfied when we're done with dinner. She doesn't need to go home and put on sweatpants and make groaning noises. I do. <laughs> right. And so, so anyway, I was just like, Okay, I've never been around anyone like this before, but that's kind of interesting. What's the deal? 
And it just opened up my mind. It opened up my mind to, to the possibility that the food that I had been raised on, celebrated food within our family, was perhaps the problem. I think that's a really good point, though. You know, you do have to have your eyes open to things and you only know what you know as we go back to it. So if you grew up with these things being, you know, fed to you, and I mean in the nicest possible way, I'm sure your mum was doing her best job as all of our mums are with the information they've got. Because I have a very fussy child and she has a sixth sense for sniffing out sugar. And it's really difficult Mm -hmm. as a parent, especially as someone who knows this information about, you know, fiber's great and raw foods are good and like all of those things. I don't know how, but she manages to do a Jedi mind trick on me and get me to buy her things that are really bad for her. Or if they're in the cupboard, she'll be able to sniff them out. Find them. So it's it's a really um, difficult thing, but I think that when you do see someone who's modelling it, you can live it yourself. But I don't know what you do about kids. Like, do you have kids? And, and please tell me they don't just eat mung beans and they're happy little Vegemites. <laughs> I think I think the reality is whether we're talking about your kids, yourself, your performance as a parent, there's no such thing as perfect. Mm. We're human. We're all just doing our best. Yeah. And no matter who you are, like the way that I feel about it is this. I I am not here to advocate for some sort of perfect diet. Instead, I'm here to talk about how do we point the compass in the right direction? so that we at least know what the first few steps look like. Yeah. And then let me meet you where you are and let's roll from there. So my kids don't have a perfect diet. Like my, my son was having like an ice pop for, you know, for dessert tonight, like literally 10 minutes ago. All right. But um, for us in our household, what's worked for us is just establishing what is normal within our family. Yeah. And it's just kind of been that way from the very beginning. And so my kids wake up and they have like fruit and nuts and that's their breakfast. And sometimes they have a smoothie and they're just like, this is what I have for breakfast. And they don't know that the other kid across town might be having something radically different than that. They just don't know because mm. this is what they're exposed to. Coca Pops. Oh my <laughs> So I think, I mean, this is so true. And it's also, I think at some point in time, we have to just be the example to our children. We can't always be preaching to them because they don't want to be preached to. We've just got to set a good example. And I talk about this all the time because I grew up in the hippie household with there was no leeway and it did two things. It's quite interesting. It created home base for me. So even though I went off and explored and my everything went out the window and I lived on fast food when I was studying at university, eventually I got sick. I was very uh, uh, unhappy in the way I felt in my body and I knew what home base was and that was what mum always um, modelled and (laughs) what we came back to. So I think that's very important as well, especially as our children get older Mm. and they start making decisions for themselves. It's about us being a good example and it's great for us to operate from that place anyway. It makes us check in with ourselves as well. But I want to hear a little bit more about... In terms of fads, because you were just talking a little bit or you touched on the idea of a fad diet or a fad idea, um, and I want to I want to talk to you a little bit more about that because it can be very confusing and you said you want to point the compass in the right direction. So let's keep to having that conversation. But what is it exactly and why is whatever you're advocating for then not, you don't see it as a fad? Like why is it something that's sustainable? 
Well, I mean, so to me, fads are trendy diets that are not necessarily grounded in science, but instead are more about hype and creating sort of an emotional element where it's like, hey, let's do this because this is what we're all doing. Right. And that's it's trend. It's like riding out a trend and it jerks people in every single different direction. And people who are highly trained and educated can make compelling arguments to the layperson who's not within that space. That sounds super convincing. And I get that. And that's unfortunately one of the challenges of the world that we live in. You know, when I, when I go to the mechanic, I'm just going to be honest. I know nothing about cars. So they tell me what's the problem. They tell me how much it costs. And I slap down the credit card and hopefully they're honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and I think, you know, it's not the people who create fad diets or advocate for fad diets are bad people. I think that most, in, in most cases, they legitimately believe in what they're putting out there. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we have to trust, we have to trust science to show us the path because at the end of the day, science is what shows us the path. That is the compass that guides us towards better choices. Mm. And so, you know, with, um, with what I talk about in my book, part of the reason why I don't consider it to be a fad diet is that number one, there are not hardcore rules that I'm here to slap down and be like, you're doing this, 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 and this, and you're not doing that. Cause that's not real. It makes it really hard to follow too. You've got to make it easy for people to, to adapt to it. I think it's about having like general rules where you have an understanding of the way that your body works and you strive towards that direction and you also personalize it. So I'll give you a quick example. I personally, so if we fast forward from this point where I was describing before, where I met the person who's now my wife, I see that she's eating a plant-based diet. What happened with me? Well, I didn't make a radical change overnight. What I did is I started making small changes and I did that over the course of several years and started making like leveling up and making healthy substitutions. And where I ended up today is that I eat a completely plant-based diet. So like I don't consume animal products. You can call it a vegan diet if you want to, but to me, a vegan diet is really motivated by the ethics and my motivation is my health. I, I, I appreciate the ethics. I believe in them. I appreciate the environmental concerns, but my Motivation from the beginning was always, I need to lose this weight. I need to kick this anxiety. I need to drop this blood pressure. So I ate a completely plant-based diet, but in my book, I'm not telling people that the only path to be healthy is through a 100% whole food plant-based diet. Instead, what I'm saying is that I sincerely believe that the healthiest diets are predominantly plant-based. And that can look like a lot of different things. And you can adapt that to what works for you. And so I really am about, I want to meet you where you are. If you are 10% plant-based, that is 5% better than I was just a few years ago. (laughs) And I want to take you from 10%, make you 30 and take you from 30 and make you 50 and keep moving you in this direction because I sincerely believe, and the science shows, and I, I write about this in my book. The science shows that this is truly what our gut microbes need in order to thrive. And when they thrive, we thrive. Don't you think too, 
I mean, really, if we boil it down, it's just basically what we're supposed to do as humans. You know, I went to the farmer's market the other day and I go every week and usually just buy apples, potatoes and leafy greens. That's enough. Sometimes some eggs, whatever. But I was looking, there's a guy there and everything he sells are leafy greens of all sorts of varieties, herbs and, you know, brassias, brachias. What do you have? What do you have? Yes, brassia, brassia, brassia. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I don't know. Brassia, your broccoli, broccoli friends. Anyway, they're all just three dollars. But you walk into this little hut that he has all the green stuff set in, and you feel better because you're surrounded by all these things that look delicious, and you know are good for you. And if you actually think about it, that's better than a hot dog, or Mm. a pie, or any of these things that are really convenient. But I guess you can't pick up a bunch of. Um, spinach and start munching on it right there and then in the market. But but you do, like if you actually go back to basics, you can tell that stuff is much better for you than the other stuff that's that's convenient, isn't it? The colours the colors are appealing. Mm. The smells are appealing. Mm. Um, you know, it's uh, there's a natural gravitational pull to it, but it doesn't give you sort of the dopamine hit. And what yeah. I mean by dopamine hit is that, you know, if you were to look at our brain chemistry, things that are highly addictive, like for example, me checking my Instagram account every three seconds, things that are highly addictive give you this dopamine hit where you want to come back and have more of that. And um, eating a plant-based diet doesn't really hit you in that way. Where it hits you is that you have this delicious meal that stimulates your senses, the textures, the flavors, the colors, it's all there. And then you actually feel really good. Mm, you're right. You don't get that heavy like pork chop thing. thing. No. Yeah. It's right. a different later on. Yeah, for sure. So can we talk a little bit more then because everybody's sitting here going, okay, so what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, I, you, you talk about in your book about how important this all is for obviously balancing our health and our hormones and optimizing brain function where do people start? Is it, let's, can we, t- I mean, let's talk about fibre. I think that's probably a good place to start. Mm-hmm. But why is fibre so important? I feel like fibre is, um, so I felt compelled to write this book because I feel like fibre is so overlooked in these nutritional conversations that it's absurd. Yeah, it's kind and, of the daggy know, brother, I, isn't it? Yeah. Well, because we think it's boring. Mm. Let's just be honest. We think it's boring. Like our vision of fibre is grandma with this orange drink that she's stirring so that she can have a bowel movement. And or it's like, that's flakes. not sexy. Or the brand, brand sticks. How they're not nice. You know, no. Right. <laughs> and so that's like, that's like, that's not sexy, but you know, the thing is when you actually dig into what the real story with fiber is, the story actually is sexy. It's incredible. It's so empowering. And simple. Which is that, and, and quite simple. So, you know, we've been told there's there's all these myths about fiber that are half truths or flat out not truths. You know, we've been told that fiber just goes in the mouth, sweeps through, <laughs> and then it launches out the other end like a torpedo. That's kind of half true. Like a broom. But yeah, it sweeps through like a broom and then it launches like a torpedo into the bowl. <laughs> um, that's not really the the whole truth. The The thing about it is that we as humans, it's quite fascinating to think about this big, strong humans, like I'm more than two, two meters in height. Um, we, we lack the enzymes to process and digest fiber, but a single invisible microbe that you would need a microscope to see like a bacteria 
could have hundreds of enzymes that allow us to process and digest our fiber. And so it's the microbes that break down the fiber for us. The fiber passes through the small intestine, which is, um, uh, let's see, the, the small intestine is like five meters long or so, depending on the person. And it arrives in the colon, which is the large intestine, where all of these microbes live. There are 39 trillion of them. All right, 39 trillion. Like for the listeners at home, to put this into perspective, <laughs> if I wanted to put 39 trillion things into your colon, if I were to get all the stars in the sky, bring them together into a ball, and then insert them into your colon, I would need a hundred galaxies full of stars to equal the number of microbes that exist within your colon literally right now. That is a great analogy that and sounds analogy. very painful. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, I, I don't mean for it to sound painful. I'm not going to be doing any sort of surgery. But it's just the breadth of them. There's so many of them yes. and they are an ecosystem. They are an ecosystem in the same way that the Great Barrier Reef or the Amazon rainforest is an ecosystem. And so these microbes, it's hard to imagine this because they're invisible, but they are as alive as we are. They have personalities, like some of them are kind of cranky. They have unique skill sets. Certain microbes do certain things. They don't, don't all do the same stuff. And they need to eat or they get hangry. And they don't all like the same stuff. They don't all eat kale. There are certain microbes that like certain things, but their preferred food is fiber. Fiber cannot be processed by us humans. So it arrives like a sweet meal into the colon <laughs> where they get into an absolute feeding frenzy and they consume this fiber and it empowers them. It makes them multiply and grow stronger. By the way, this is what we call a prebiotic. So for those of you who have heard of a prebiotic, this is what I'm referring to. Fiber empowers the microbes. And then they break it down using these special enzymes that they have that we don't. And they release the most anti-inflammatory thing that I've ever come across, which are called short chain fatty acids. Now here's the issue. In the United States, and I think Australia, you guys are probably a little better than us but not much better. In the United States, 95% of people are not getting enough fiber. That's a lot. Yeah. And yet everyone asks me, but where am I going to get my protein from? And there is no protein deficiency. Everyone is way overeating protein yeah. and no one is getting enough fiber. Where do we get it? It's so simple. It's not complicated. We find fiber in plants. All plants have fiber, every single one. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, seeds, nuts, legumes, they all have fiber and they all have the capacity to feed your gut microbes so that they can grow stronger and release these short chain fatty acids that have healing effects throughout the entire body. So I think sometimes there's a bit of confusion about prebiotic and probiotic. You know, you can go and get your probiotics from the chemist or the health food store and, you know, pop some of those for a month or so and try and get your gut bacteria nice and happy. But is there the prebiotic? Is it better to just sort of start eating more fruit and veg? And 
Is it better to eat it raw? Do you get more out of the fibre if it's raw than if it's cooked? And then do you have all the questions? Do you then need to go and get your pre-probiotic as well as eating your, your veggies? Okay, let's break this down. Cecilia, I'm going to probably forget some of these questions, That's but I'm going to totally do my best fine. here. Okay, cool. So <laughs> uh, so the, to answer your question, to me, there's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy to how we approach this. And that is that food first. Food first. Yeah. Because every single one of us is consuming more than a kilogram of food on a daily basis. All right. So with that level of consumption, if we're consuming a kilogram of food, a couple milligrams of something is not going to outdo the kilogram of food that you just ate. Yeah. So we got to get, we got to get food going first, get that into alignment. Um, but once we get past that, there definitely is a place for prebiotics and probiotics. Let me define what those are real quick. All right. So people, many people have heard of probiotics, PRO and probiotics are living microbes. It could be bacteria could be yeast, but in order to be a probiotic, you have to demonstrate that you're a good guy. You have to demonstrate that <laughs> you pro. help humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to show that you actually help humans because there are some of them like E. coli. You wouldn't take an E. coli capsule because that would get you super sick. So that's not a probiotic. So um, the prebiotics on the flip side are the food for these microbes. Okay. And so now that food can come from your diet. It doesn't need to come from a supplement, right? So the prebiotics can be found in the fruits, vegetables, whole grains, seeds, nuts, and legumes. Mm-hmm. But there is a place, there definitely is a place for prebiotic supplements. So as a gastroenterologist, I treat people with prebiotics supplements all the time. And I also will oftentimes use probiotics. And part of the reason is because I can make a pretty solid impact like that using these tools. But do I want to prop them up with the prebiotic and the probiotic and then just let them continue to go to the fast food joint? Nah. No. Ultimately, I want their gut health to be an A plus and to have an A plus gut health. It's the, the whole package, diet, lifestyle, and the ripe supplements. And is there, apart from antibiotics, is there something that you can avoid to just wipe it out? Like, you know, if you go out and you have too many vodkas or, you know, if you have a big night out, does that then ruin your gut health for the next week? Or what kind of impact does that lifestyle have? I think that there's, these are good questions. You know, it's very clear that antibiotics, I mean, they they are what we describe them as. Mm. They are designed to destroy these microbes. Um, and that's perhaps the most powerful way to, to kill microbes very quickly. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you brought up, for example, Cecilia, alcohol consumption, it's a great question. Think about like the difference between having a drink and having six drinks. And you have six drinks and you wake up the next day and the assumption is, oh, I must be dehydrated. But hold up. You could drink all the water in the world. You still feel like crap. (laughs) That is not just dehydration. That is that you have adversely caused harm to your gut microbiome. So we know that chronic liver disease, like cirrhosis, alcoholic cirrhosis, very clearly connected to damage to the gut. 
we know that acute alcoholic hepatitis very clearly associated with damage to the gut. And then I think that what's interesting though, is that when you drink to the point of having a hangover, I believe that the reason why is that you have acutely caused harm to these microbes, because what does, what does alcohol do? Like if we want to clean our counter, mm. what do we use? We yeah. use alcohol. It kills microbes. I think it's very interesting. I um, went through a phase in the clinic where I was saying to patients, I want you to go and I want you to mix four very simple ingredients together, slippery elm, psyllium, chia and flaxseed. And I want you to have a spoon of this every day in water or in diluted juice or whatever it is for many reasons. A lot of the ones that you've actually stated, obviously prebiotic, um, high fiber, sweeps the gut, uh, helps the liver. And for me, it's for my patients, if they're not pooping, then their hormones aren't balanced. So we need to make (laughs) sure that they're moving their bowels every day. And it was so interesting, four very simple ingredients. Nobody did it. Nobody did it. So we created a product. That's my balancing cleanse shake is those four ingredients. We created the product and we sell out every time I put up. And I laugh because it's four ingredients, but it's the Again, convenience, convenience, right? Nobody's going, wanted to go out and source four things off the shelves at the supermarket or the grocery store. And then I was also saying that they they needed to be organic. And so then they were like, I can't, I'm time poor, I don't have time. I was like, oh, fine, I'll just make it myself and I'll make some money on it. And so that's, and it is our best-selling product. And I think it's hilarious, but I laugh at the ingredients are so simple yet so powerful and something that someone can add to their daily regime to tick a lot of the boxes that you're talking about. Um, but like, you know, you said, and and as I was saying, you need to poop daily for better hormone balance. Um, it's something that we discount because this education information isn't available enough. So I love... I love, Will, what you're talking about. It's singing to the, the <laughs> choir over here. <laughs> well, poop, you know, poop, speaking of pooping, I mean, I, I just feel like, gosh, like, why are we pretending that pooping is not the coolest thing ever? Why? <laughs> um, it's so true. There's, ha- a, there's a, you know, the comedian Arj Barker? I don't. Uh, no. You don't know Arj Barker? Oh, my God, he's hilarious. But he has this whole thing about just give me a little bit of diarrhea, not like (laughs) dysentery, but just a little bit because it's so much better than than the opposite. So sorry. See, I just think that it's like most people think of when you start your day, you think of a cup of coffee. But to me, a great start to the day is a a cup of coffee and an epic dump. Yes. Right? An epic dump. And you just, you get that full sense of relief and you walk out of the, you walk out of the bathroom (laughs) and it's just like, yo, bring it on. I am ready for today. And you have left it for your, the rest of your family to enjoy as well. We were on a chat earlier today with a group of people and we were talking about my good friend Summer Bock put up that basically her mission in life is to help people achieve the daily golden doodle. <laughs> Isn't that excellent? There's nothing like, wrong with that. I know. I know. I, um, it's very funny. <laughs> the daily golden I just think, doodle. I just think we need to start celebrating, start celebrating these bowel movements more and recognizing. <laughs> so, if, you know, first of all, being totally real, if we if we talk about for a moment what the deal is with bowel movements, most people don't realize this. Sixty percent of the weight of your stool are microbes. Oh, no, you're getting oh, we need right? them Stay in there. So, no, no, it's good because your body is turning over. You're constantly creating a new microbiome. Like literally, you guys, 
we've been talking for about 40 minutes. So during the 40 minutes that we've been hanging out, the microbes that were the kids are now the grandparents. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There you go. Jeez. Yeah. Every 20 minutes, there's a new generation. Oh, Every wow. 20 minutes. So we have two Gosh. new generations in the 40 minutes that we've been hanging out. Oh, <laughs> so, I've got two new generations mind. of microbes. That's the best. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, totally. I mean, they, there's three new generations every hour and you do that 24 hours a day. And if you were to apply that to humans and pretend, you know, oh, how many how many years would that be in, a, in one day if we were humans? It would take us all the way back to to uh, the pyramids. Wow! Wow! We'd be going back thousands of years. So, anyway, you know, our our stool, our poop, is sixty percent microbes, and so it's not. This is not waste. This is not excrement. This is an expression of who you are <laughs> as a person because your gut microbiome is uniquely yours. I realize this, Cecilia, you're feeling very uncomfortable I'm right not now, uncomfortable. but I am I'm enjoying extremely it. comfortable. No, no, I'm comfortable. I literally talk about poop for a living, so yeah. I do this all day yeah. long. Yeah, no, I've got so, kids. I talk about poop for a living too. Don't worry. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I'm glad we're on the same page then. Um, so, but like you know, like, like Cecilia, for example, there's no one on the planet with a gut microbiome like you. I know. Like eight billion Aww. people, eight Aww. billion people on this planet. There's no one like you, girl. I like you. No. It's pretty impressive, though. I do love that about our bodies. You know, yes. we think we we give them such a hard time, but really, at the end of the day, they're incredible machines. And we can yep. treat them so badly, and yet they are very resilient most of the time, aren't totally. they? Totally. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because, like, I, I I seriously believe that poop should be the fifth vital sign. Mm. Like temperature, heart rate, blood pressure, respiratory rate, and then poop. Yeah, and, and the periods. reason why we need is six then periods, periods should the be next. in there too, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it should be there too. The because... population to measure, but well, know. for women, no, yeah. not for yeah. men. But I 100 percent agree. Yeah. I think you're right. If, Love if it. gut health is so important, if gut health is so important, and like gut health, you know, we've only sort of grazed the surface of how important this is, but like it's connected not just to our digestion, which is access to nutrients, which by the way, that's that's literally life, but it's also connected to our immune system, to our metabolism, to our hormonal balance, as you've been alluding to, Nat to our brain health, to our mood, and even the expression of our genetic code is mm. regulated by our gut microbes. Yeah. Right. So if this is so important, what is the single most clear window? Okay. It's not clear. It's brown, but still, what is the most clear window <laughs> into the health of our gut microbiome? It's our poop. You need to write a joke and book too. <laughs> it's not, it's not just how often you go. That is part of it. But it's also, what does it look like? Mm. How complete is it? Like, did you really completely empty? Um, what's the experience? Like, was it satisfying? It should be. A good poop should be satisfying. Yeah. And so these, all these things combine to really provide us with powerful insights into our digestive health and wellness. And when you know that you are in a good place in terms of digestive health and wellness, most likely most of the rest of your body is going to be good too. Mm. I love this. This is good. We've been, good. You've been wanting to talk about gut health for a very long time, Cecilia. No, we've, no, we've had, I know, we've but had lots of gut health. Dreams well, do come true. But this one is a good one. Exactly. Before we let you go, I'm going to take you to task on something. So uh, on your Instagram, you had a 4th of July, um, you know, big celebration in America, lots of junk food. Let's swap some stuff out. You are trying to tell people they can swap out a hot dog for a carrot dog. Now, I just don't know who is getting on board that, that train because... <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a bit extreme. It's a bit extreme. It takes, it takes some warming up too. I, I will, I will fully acknowledge that, but you know, uh, is it a I raw think carrot? So- because you know the experience no, is no, no, entirely no. different. Oh no, so it's a cooked carrot no. at least. No, no, you cook it. You cook it on the grill. You cook it on the grill, and and when you cook a grill, a uh, carrot on the dog, uh, uh, when you cook okay. a carrot on the grill. Yeah, it gets soft, and so the crunch starts to go away. It gets soft, uh, which, by the way, brings us back to a certain uh, question you asked me earlier that I need to I need to answer for you. Um, you asked raw versus yeah. cooked. Mm-hmm. All right. So there was actually a study that was done at the University of California, San Francisco. The uh, scientist, his name is Peter Turnbaugh. He's one of the leaders in the microbiome field. And he looked at this question. He took, he took the exact same food and he basically looked at what's the effect when you eat it raw versus cooking it. And what he noticed is that they're not the same. Mm. And there's not necessarily superiority to one versus the other. But what it is, is when we do these types of things where we process our food, like cooking it, we are transforming the food. We are transforming the fiber and you may feed a slightly different batch of microbes as a result of that. So there's a health hack to this because I I guess I should, I, I feel compelled. I hope you guys don't mind. I feel compelled to say this before I go anywhere. Like I'm not, I'm not allowed to leave a podcast without saying this. So everyone wants to know, so doc, but what's like the actual practical advice? I mean, you're talking about carrot dogs. What the F is that? What's the actual practical, practical advice? Practical advice is this, no matter who you are, no matter what dietary pattern you have, I don't really care what the pattern is or how we label it. But what I want is you to have a healthy gut and a healthy gut has biodiversity. It has as many different types of microbes as possible. Every single microbe has a role within the ecosystem. And so by having all of them, we win. So the question is, how do we get as many different species, biodiversity within our gut? Well, the answer is you feed them. And every single one of them has different dietary preferences. So if you want a diverse gut, you need a diverse diet. Pretty simple, really. The rule is quite simple. When you have biodiversity on your plate, and really what I'm referring to are the plants, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, seeds, nuts, and legumes. When it is a biodiverse plate, it will translate into a biodiverse gut microbiome. And this is not just Dr. B's idea. This is not a fad. Sorry if you want to call it that. But this is actual science because in the American Gut Project, which by the way, was not just Americans, tons of Australians and Kiwis were in there. And the lead author, Rob Knight, is from New Zealand. In the American Gut Project, which is the largest study to make the connection between our gut microbes and our diet and lifestyle choices, the clear-cut number one most powerful predictor of a healthy gut microbiome was the diversity of plants in your diet. Specifically, for people at home who want to keep score, if you're like me in a type A personality, <laughs> 30 different plants per week. Well, there you go. 30 plants 30 per different week. plants per week. Now, that may sound crazy, but <laughs> I can make a smoothie on Monday morning that has 10 plants, and I'm already a third of the way there. Mm. Right? So anyway, Cecilia, to answer your question, we want that diversity within our diet. And when you cook your food versus eat it raw, 
you actually are adding diversity in by having both. Yeah. So don't just do one versus the other. Do both. And here's the health hack for the people at home. Nibble. If you're going to cook your food, nibble on a little bit of it raw. Oh, there you that way go. you're feeding your you gut microbes both. both ways. Love it. Oh, okay. A little bit okay, of raw broccoli. Bit of, I, and then I, do the I snack before I eat. I do, actually. Anyway. There we go. Sample Perfect. as you go. Because I'm always hungry at that time. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks awesome. for joining yeah, us. Thank you, Dr. B. This we've has been hoop. We've, we've had, had all the microbes. Yep. We've had galaxies. We really we've have. had Are you guys kicking dogs. me out right now? Are you kicking me out? I thought we were hanging out for another hour or two. Oh, well, you know. We would love to, but we, we can always to. get you back. That would yeah. be a good idea. We're not, yeah, no, we're definitely not kicking anyone out, but um, this has been very good. And I think that this information is can be feel very overwhelming. So I, I don't know that obviously people can continue to learn via your book, Fiber Fueled, assuming that they can get that off your website and depending where you are in the world. Just look Book online. Stores. Goodness me, it's not that hard. Come on. The beautiful thing. So my book, my book came out. It's called Fiber Fueled. It came out in uh, the United States in North America in May of 2020 during the pandemic. Oh, it's and, such a hard time to um, launch a book. So many of my good friends in America launched books around that time. It was not easy. <laughs> it was very weird. I had to like majorly pivot because I had so many things that were planned that were canceled. It's it's crazy. I mean, basically here we are a year later and about 150,000 copies have been sold. Amazing. And, um, and actually Penguin Australia has picked up the book and turned it into a soft cover because I've been told my friends who are Australian tell me they don't like hard covers they in Australia. You guys we like don't. to take soft yeah. books to the beach. Yes, we do. Yeah. Cause we're yeah. at the beach all like, the time. All the time. It's so true. Australians don't really like hardcover books. Mm-hmm. But it's such well, a prestige there, Is there thing. even a single city in the center of Australia? Is no, there even yeah. a single city yeah, or is like every Alice single Springs. city on the coast? Uh, Alice, Alice Springs, Springs is in the, in middle. the middle. Yeah, But no one. But that's really, not a big city. The, the point is that y'all are, y- right. are beach-loving people. I'm a beach-loving person too. You like a nice soft cover book. So Fiber Fuel is available in Australia as a soft cover. You can get it wherever books are sold. Amazing. Um, and for people who are interested, you can also... Come and hang out with me on the internet. The internet makes a big world a very small place where I get to connect with people like you guys, Nat and Cecilia, or you know my friend Simon Hill or Drew Harrisburg. Yeah, a lot of friends in Australia. Amazing. Um, so Melissa Ambrosini. Great. So anyway, uh, you can come hang out with me on the internet. My my Instagram <laughs> is the Gut Health MD. My oh. website is theplantfedgut.com. I have an email list that people seem to really enjoy. So come hang out and. Um, and share this episode if you enjoy it. Yeah, I love that. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> He's just like signed language. it off for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And this has been excellent. Before we do go, Cecilia, yep. I'm going to read a review because right. someone was kind enough to leave a new review and we love that. We get excited. Okay, when we do. We get, we get very Apple excited. Reviews. It says, um, fun and informative. Thank you, girls, for your fab podcast. I'm a longtime listener who has just worked out how to review. I love your podcast. <laughs> I always learn something interesting and you always make it enjoyable listening. Makes my mum task much more fun with your show in my ears. Thank you. Love it. Yes. So if you do want to go ahead and just like Erin did, yeah. she worked out how to review not hard you just jump over onto apple podcasts and touch on the five stars and then just write a few little words and we love that yeah we don't touch on that. the one because no, then it thinks that not you worth. mean one like yeah, you don't no. you don't go one two three four you just, you just go five yeah just press up the five yeah it's pretty simple just anyway the way to do it. I'm glad we got anyway that way. thank you dr b and great to see you enjoy your summertime oh, and yeah, lying on the beach with your hard back 
books. <laughs> and we hope we uh, get to catch you again on the Wellness Collective. But if not, you've got us on, on the internet. That's I true. do love that. Yes, All right. Until next so. time. We do hope that this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. Especially in your gut. Goodbye. <laughs> Listener.